0: John chapter number 20. Uh, Let's start reading in verse number 24. Keep your Bibles open though, because I want to show you a few things from from Scripture that's before what we're going to read. John 20, 24, the Bible says, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, by the way, did you know this? I just found found this out the other day when I was studying. Do you know what that word Didymus means? It means twin. Thomas was a twin. He had a twin brother or sister. I didn't know that until I was studying the other day. Isn't that interesting? Anyway, that don't have nothing to do with the message. I just thought that was interesting. Uh, Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, watch this now, this is important, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We've seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Thomas was with them this time, wasn't he? Then came Jesus, the door being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then he saith to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed." And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Richard Good, would you ask the blessing? Amen. You Bible readers, you know exactly what's going on here. Je- Jesus ha- has already suffered on the cross. He's died, and he's risen again three days later. Uh, But here in the Scripture, we find the story where Thomas gets his nickname, Doubting Thomas. Uh, You understand that to this day, Thomas is still known as a doubter. Uh, Thomas is still known for not believing the testimony of the other disciples. Thomas, from the day that this story happened to the present day that we're living in now, is still being equated with unbelief, with a lack of faith. I mean, hasn't everybody in the room tonight here used the expression that so-and-so is a doubting Thomas? Such-and-such is a doubting Thomas. I mean, Thomas is so known for being a doubter, it's become part of our vocabulary. I mean, everybody said, well, you're just being a Doubting Thomas. She's a Doubting Thomas. He's a Doubting Thomas. Thomas is known for his doubt. Uh, but if you back up a few verses, you'll find uh, that we read that the tomb was found empty. Uh, you'll find that Mary Magdalene went down to the garden early that morning and she saw that the tomb was empty, that Jesus was gone, He had arisen. And if you read on, you'll find that somebody who Mary thought was the gardener asked her, he said, woman, why are you crying? And she said, I'm crying because my Lord's gone and I don't know where He is. If you know where He is, tell me. I want to go get Him. And for the very first time, Jesus revealed Himself to somebody after the resurrection. But you got to understand this, Thomas wasn't there. You'll find later on in verse number 19 uh, that it was the first day of the week. It was Sunday. It was church day. Is everybody okay? And the disciples had gathered together and you know the story. Jesus appeared and he showed himself to the disciples. But again, you've got to understand this. This is very important. When Jesus appeared to the disciples, Thomas wasn't there. Thomas wasn't present at the tomb when Mary saw the li- the living uh, Savior resurrected from the dead. Thomas wasn't in the assembly when Jesus appeared the first time. I mean, the Bible is very clear on the fact that after Jesus had appeared to the, to, to the disciples, after Jesus had shown up at the tomb, after Jesus appeared in the church service that the disciples were present for in, in verse number 19, your Bible very specifically says in verse twenty. Very directly and very particularly and and very plainly, that Thomas was not there. Boy, Thomas picked a bad Sunday to lay out of church, didn't he? Thomas picked picked a real bad time uh, to lay out of the service that day, didn't he? Thomas missed Jesus. Why, preacher? Because he was not present in the assembly, in verse number 19. Now, if Thomas would have been there, if Thomas would have been in his place, if Thomas would have been where he belonged, Thomas would have seen the Lord just like the others did. But Thomas was not present. Thomas wasn't there. Thomas missed it because he was not in his place. Thomas missed out on a wonderful experience because he was not there. So here's my thought. This is what I want to preach y'all tonight. I want to preach on this subject. What you miss when you miss church. What you miss when you miss church. Now before I go any further, I just want to say uh, sometimes I think as preachers we miss the mark, Richard, uh, when it comes to exposition and explanation. And what I mean by that is I think sometimes we get hung up on teaching our folks what they should do and what they shouldn't do, and God knows we need that. Somebody say amen. amen. Uh, but I think sometimes we neglect to teach our people not only what they should do and what they shouldn't do, but I think we neglect sometimes, Becky, to teach them why. They should do those things and why they shouldn't do those things. And I want to preach on faithful tonight, faithfulness tonight. But I don't want, I'm not satisfied with just stopping and telling you that you ought to be faithful. Can I show you from the Bible tonight why you ought to be faithful? Can I, can I give you the reasons why you should be faithful? Can I show you some of the things that you're going to miss? If you're not faithful, I want to show you a couple things you're going to miss out on. You know, Thomas, he 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 missed a good chance to see the risen Lord, and he missed it. I mean, man, he missed a service that morning because he wasn't present. He wasn't in his place. And I say to you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, there's going to be some things that you're going to miss out on as well when you miss church. By the way, if you say you're saved and God expects you to belong to and be faithful to a local New Testament church. God expects that, by the way. You don't have a television pastor, ma'am, you don't have an internet pastor, sir. Uh there uh, I mean I thank God for the age of technology that we're living in. I praise the Lord for the the technology that we have at our disposal. Uh but there's no replication. There's no replacement for a live church service. Being in your place in the house of God, there's no way to duplicate that. There's no, uh, you can't replicate it. I I mean, I'm glad that we have it. So when you can't be here, you can see. When we're traveling, I like to go back and watch the video and see what goes on. I, I, you know, I, eh, eh, who knows? The one Sunday I, I, I'm not here, a a good fight might break out or something, Becky. I don't want to miss it. And bless God, Dave, don't you stop, don't you turn the tape off, neither. If if a good fight breaks out, you get it. You make sure you get it in high definition, son. I'm just kidding. But the point I'm trying to make is you can't duplicate it. You ought to be in your place. So I want to show you just a few things uh, from John chapter 20 if I can please. I want to show you a couple things that you're going to miss when you miss church and we'll go to the house. Number one, I'll tell you the first thing that you're going to miss when you miss church. Look at verse 26. Jesus said real simple. He said, peace be unto you. You know what the very first thing you're going to miss when you miss church is? Number one, peace. Peace. Now, I like to know what words mean. Excuse me. I I, I love to know about language. Uh, Do you know what the word peace means? Have you ever considered the definition of the word peace? Peace means this. It means freedom from disturbance. It means tranquility it means calmness, not only of mind, but it means a calmness of spirit. It's liberty from whatever is upsetting the body, the mind, and the soul. Peace is, is the absence of turmoil. Does anybody here know, know what the Hebrew word for peace is? Anybody know? Any, anybody know what the word for peace in Hebrew is? Shalom. Shalom. If you've ever if you ever watch TV and, and and there's and there's ever Jews on on the on the program and you'll notice they'll greet each other and they'll say shalom that that that's the Hebrew word uh, that they equate with peace uh, but here's what the word shalom means it, it, what they're saying when they say shalom they're saying wholeness shalom means wholeness not in part. Not in pieces, but in whole. It it means harmony. In the Hebrew language, shalom means togetherness. It means peace. It means unity. And here's what the Bible says about peace. The Bible teaches that one of the fruits of the Spirit is this thing called peace. I'm talking about the evidence of being saved. Is everybody okay the Bible says that one of the evidences of somebody who walks with the Lord is this thing called peace. And now ladies and gentlemen, we still, believe, we still believe that if a man or a woman says they're really saved, we still believe that they'll bear spiritual fruit. Somebody help me. We still believe that, don't we? Uh, We still believe uh, that if somebody says they love God, there'll be some evidence of that, don't we? We still believe that, don't we? Uh, The Bible teaches that if somebody's really saved, then they'll bear spiritual fruit as evidence of that. And one of those pieces of, uh, of evidence is this thing called peace. Here's what Paul said about it. 1 Corinthians 14, Write it down and go read it later. Don't turn there. Uh, the Bible says, For God is not the author of confusion. Anybody know what it says after the comma? But of peace. Ain't none of y'all read y'all's Bible this week. Shame, shame, shame. Everybody knows your name. Paul said that he's not the author of confusion, but of, everybody say it with me, peace but a lot of people miss this part this next part of the verse watch this as in all churches of the saints. We'll come back to that in a minute. Here's what the Apostle Paul's saying. He says, God is not the author of confusion. God's not the originator of confusion. God isn't pleased with confusion. Hey, let me just tell you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, if something's going on in God's house, and it's confusing, and it's causing problems, and it's causing turmoil, you can mark it down. It's not of God. Because God is not the author of confusion. God isn't the coordinator of a mess. Hey, God, God makes, God puts mercy in the middle of our mess. God don't make any messes. Somebody help me right there. Uh, The devil is the author of confusion. And then he goes on to say, God is the author of peace. God created peace. God's the giver of peace. But notice what Paul said at the end of that verse. He says, uh, God's not the author of confusion. He's the author of peace. But then he says, as in all the churches, as in all the churches of the saints. He didn't say in all the moose lodges. He didn't say on all the golf courses. He didn't say in all the bars, all the casinos, all the social organizations. No, sir. He said, if you want to know something about peace, the best place to find it is in church. Now, if Thomas is ever known for anything, it wasn't for his preaching, I don't read one sermon in your King James Bible that Thomas ever preached. All Thomas is ever known for is being a doubter. I mean, like I said earlier, the term Doubting Thomas has become a part of our language. Anytime an issue comes up and somebody's being negative, we're real quick to pull out that terminology, aren't we? And we accuse people of being a Doubting Thomas. But we, ladies and gentlemen, we call him Doubting Thomas for a reason. But here's one thing you and I have got to realize. If Thomas would have been in his place in verse number 19, he would have never doubted in verse 25. If he would have been in his place just six verses prior to where he was in verse 25, you and I wouldn't be talking about him still tonight. But Thomas wasn't in his place. Thomas, Thomas doubted. He, he didn't show up to church. He, he would have never doubted. If he would have been in church that morning. But Thomas, because he wasn't in his place, he doubted. He was guilty of unbelief. And it was all because he missed church. Isn't that what your Bible's saying? If he would have been there in verse number 19, Tonya, verse 25 would have never happened. And we wonder why so many of our people suffer from doubt. We wonder why so many of our people don't make it. Why so many of our people fall by the wayside. We wonder why unbelief is running so rampant in our movement today. It's because there's a serious doubt problem and it's because there's a serious lack of faithfulness among God's people. That's what the problem is. And I'll tell you this, being faithful to church is not going to hurt you, honey. Honey. It's going to help you. Uh, Being faithful is going to grow your faith. Hey, you need to be under Bible preaching. You need to be taught the Word of God. You need to be rooted in your faith so that when every other wind of doctrine comes about, you're not tossed to and fro. You need to know what you believe. Is everybody listening? You need to know what you believe. But furthermore, more important than that, you need to know why you believe what you believe. So many times church people will say, well, my papa was a preacher and he preached it like this. Or mama always said this. Or grandma always said this. Listen, I could care less about what your papa preached. I don't care what your mama said. You can go back and tell your mama... I don't care what she has to say. Ladies and gentlemen, scripture is the final authority on everything. And you ought to be, shame on you if you're ignorant of what God has to say about an issue in His Word. We gotta be rooted. We, we gotta be grounded. And you know what the best place is to get rooted and to get grounded and to learn the Bible and to learn the fundamentals of the faith. You want faith? You want to know what the best place for that is? It's in the building you're sitting in right now, tonight. I tell you, faithfulness will will cause your faith to grow. It'll cause you to mature spiritually. And I'm just going to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, doubt will ruin your life. Doubt will destroy you. As a Christian, unbelief will take you places that you never imagined and it will eat away at your faith. And, and I mean, if you give unbelief an inch in your life, it's going to take a mile and pretty soon you won't believe God for anything. I mean, I'm talking about doubt tonight. Nothing, I said nothing is going to hinder you spiritually like this thing called doubt. No peace. Doubt is an absence of peace, by the way. But are you aware of the fact that if you don't have the peace of God in your heart, then the devil's going to drive you literally, literally crazy one of these days? If you don't have the peace that passes all understanding in your heart and in your life, then the devil's going to have free reign to your mind. He's going to ruin your life and he's going to drive you literally crazy. All because you don't have peace. I say to you, peace is evidence of being right with God. Peace is evidence of knowing the Lord. I submit to you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, that you won't survive this Christian way of living very long if you don't have peace. You say, oh preacher, I need peace in my life. Well honey, let me help you. Get faithful to church. Get committed to this local New Testament Bible-believing assembly. Get rooted. Put some roots down. Let the preacher preach the devil out of you. Let the Holy Ghost use his men to teach you the Word of God. You You tell me, you say, I want peace. I believe you. I say, though, that you're in the best place that you could possibly be to learn something about peace, to know what peace is. This is where you get it, man. This is the place. Uh, This is the best place there is to get peace. God will help you. God will reward you for your faithfulness. But here's the sad part, and I got to move on. Some of you are going to let the devil come in. You're going to let him tear your nerves up. He's going to make a mess out of your life. All because you're half hearted, you're uncommitted you're going you're, you're gonna to coast you're going to drift and you're never going to put down any roots you're always going to be half hearted you're always going to be half in half I, 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 I don't understand what's wrong with people they'll say oh I'm not all the way out no the problem is not that you're not all the way out the problem is you're not all the way in that's the problem I submit to you tonight ladies and gentlemen that you're going to miss peace When you start missing church. Number two, real quickly, look at verse number 19. Here's what the Bible said. The Bible said that it was the first day of the week. It was Sunday. It was go to meeting day, right? It was church time. Sunday's still church time, isn't it? Somebody help me right there. The assembly had gathered together is what the Bible said. Church had already taken up. But watch what happened. Right in the middle of this church service, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that right smack dab in the middle of this church service, Jesus came in and he stood in the midst. Oh my, oh my, oh my. What a difference it'll make, ladies and gentlemen, if Jesus will show up. So what is it, preacher, that you're going to miss when you miss church? Number two, real quickly, you're going to miss the presence when you miss church, but I'm not talking about just any presence, lady. I'm talking about the presence of God. Let me give you something to think about. I'm not against having a well-known preacher come in and preach. I'm not against that. I'm not against having a having a, a popular singing group come in and sing. I'm not against any of that. Uh, but just because, you, you've got to understand this, just because someone's popular and just because uh, somebody's well-known does not mean necessarily that it'll make a difference in that service. Just because somebody is well known or just because somebody has a lot of hit songs on the radio, that does not necessarily mean that we're going ha- to shout the house down, see souls saved, and see a difference made in the people of God's lives. It doesn't necessarily mean that. And this is why. Is everybody listening? It's because it's not about who preaches. It's, not, it's because it's not about who sings a song. And don't let it offend you, honey, but it ain't about you either. It ain't about me either. Uh, listen to me now, don't, don't, don't let me lose you with this. Uh, but if a millionaire came into this service tonight and sat down on the front row, do you realize that that would make very little difference in the results and the outcome of this service tonight? Uh, are you aware that if the chairman of a Fortune 500 company came in and sat down tonight, it would make very little difference in this church service tonight? If world leaders were here and dignitaries, it would make very little difference in this service tonight. If a famous politician came in and sat down, it would make very little difference in this service tonight. God knows Joe Biden would kill it. Somebody say amen right there. But dear friend, I hope he's watching. Uh, But dear friend... If the presence of a holy God will show up, it will make all the difference in the world. Uh, When God shows up in His house, ladies and gentlemen, that's when business starts to pick up. That's when people start getting help. That's when souls start getting saved. I'm talking about God making a difference in the lives of His people is what I'm talking about. Now there's a whole lot of things we can do without. Excuse me. There's a whole lot of things we can do without. We can do without a PA system. Dave'd be out of job be, he would be out of a job, but that'd be all right. We'd find him something else to do. We could we we could do without a PA system. We could do without padded pews, and God knows I don't want to do without padded pews. We could do without electricity. We could do without running water if we had to. And by the way, I don't want to do without any of those things. But there's one thing that we absolutely, positively cannot do without. There's one thing that will cause this church to dry up. There's one thing that will cause this church to, seek to cease to function as God would have it, to f- have it to function if we don't have it. And that's the presence of God. We need, we rely on, we depend on a visitation from another world. We, hey, we need a lot of things. We don't need a lot of things, too, by the way. But the one thing we've got to have, ladies and gentlemen, is the presence of God. We're wasting our time. Now, I don't know about you, but my time's valuable. I don't know how it is with you, but it just sometimes it seems like there's not enough hours in the day. The list, of, uh, the list of things that need to be done and the time that's available in the day, Joanne, sometimes they just don't, they just don't add up. My time's valuable. We're wasting our time, ladies and gentlemen, if God won't show up. Because the presence of God is what makes all the difference. And I said all that to say this. I, I, I know that you can encounter God on the job. I know that. Thank God for that. Hey, listen, I work at the courthouse. Sometimes we need a little Holy Ghost. Somebody help me right there. I know that you can experience God at home. I know that. I'm not stupid. I'm not ignorant of that fact. But I can promise you this tonight, ladies and gentlemen, you will never, ever, ever encounter God at work and encounter God at home like you will in this place. This place is special. Uh, uh, There's no place like this place. And there's going to be encounters with God that you can only have in this place. Why, preacher? Because the sanctuary is special. It, it it's, it's a special place uh, there's blessings uh, that you can only get by being in this place we need the presence of God ladies and gentlemen we, we're totally dependent on the presence of God but here's the sad part and I've got to move on if you're not in your place if you're not where you belong if you're not where you're supposed to be Benny you're going to miss it you're going to miss it. But watch this. Not only will you miss the presence of God, and I've got to hurry on, you're not only going to miss God's presence, but you're going to miss the presence of the other saints when you miss church. I mean, look at, look at verse number 19 again. They're, they're gathered together. Think about, think about what had just happened. The disciples had given up everything to follow Jesus they left homes they left careers they left families and they gave it all up now think about this consider consider what these boys were going through when this story picks up they had given up everything to follow Jesus they had forsaken family they'd forsaken careers uh, and, and, and just gave it all up to go and follow Jesus. And every bit of hope for their future, everything that they had was invested in Jesus. And Jesus was crucified on Friday. Now think about this. Jesus was dead. And they had invested everything, Joanne, in Jesus. Jesus. And he's dead. The world, their world as they knew it had crumbled. I, I mean, they, they had lost everything or so they thought. But they had enough sense in verse number 19 to come together. Why did they come together? It was because they knew they needed each other. It was because they knew that they could depend on each other. They knew that they needed the fellowship. They needed the encouragement. And they came together. They had enough sense to know that they needed to be together when church time came around. Now, look, ladies and gentlemen, uh, no man lives to himself. No man dies to himself. The Bible's real clear on that. And I know it sounds kind of silly to put it this way, but there's a lot of truth to what I'm getting ready to say. We need each other. We need each other. We need to be around each other. We need to be in the presence of God, certainly, absolutely. But we also need to be in the presence of the saints, too. I I mean, there's just something that's encouraging about being in the presence of somebody who believes like you do. There's something that's encouraging uh, encouraging, uh, about being with like-minded people. And I say this all the time, but let me say it again. You might not like me. And bless God, I ain't sending you no flowers either. You might not like me. Hey, some of you, bless God, need your rear ends kicked till your nose bleeds. Somebody help me right there. And if you didn't say amen, you're the one that needs it. You might not like me, but you know what? That's all right. You need me. I may not like you, but you know what the beauty of that is? I don't have to like you, but I need you. We need each other. I, I can't tell you how many times in my life that I don't know what I'd have done, Richard if it hadn't have been for a saint who came along with an encouraging word. There have been times that I needed God's people, man. We need each other. But you're going to miss it when you're not in your place. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss the presence of God. And you're going to miss the presence of all these precious people here. I, 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 I thank God for my physical family. But can I just say tonight, as much as I love my biological family, I want to say thank God publicly for my church family. Some of the very dearest friends that I have in the world are sitting in this building tonight. I thank God for the relationships that are built and that are cultivated through the local church. Amen. Hey, there's nothing like it. Thank God for biological family. But thank God for church family. Hey, listen. There's been times that we've needed y'all and you've never let us down. And There's no, there's no, there's no way to replace that, Becky. There's no way to replace church family. But if you're not in your place... You're going to miss it. You're going to miss the wonderful opportunities that we have to grow and to cultivate these relationships that we have with people. I mean, there's not a person in this room that I couldn't say uh, uh, something good about. And that's the way that it should be. We need each other. We need each other. It'd be a stretch for Benny, but I'd find something nice to say. But the point I'm trying to make is we, we need each other. we got to be in each other's presence. Well, anyhow, moving on. Number three, watch this. This is what happened during the church service that Thomas missed. Look at verse 22. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, receive the Holy Ghost. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was empowering his disciples for the work that they were getting ready to do. I mean, man, they were getting ready to go carry the gospel of the resurrected Savior to the world. And Jesus said, Boys, before you do that, let me breathe on you. Everybody catch that. Everybody catch that part. He said, Boys, let me breathe on you and give you the Holy Ghost. Before I send you out to do what you're gonna have to do. How'd you like to be in that service, lady? How'd you like to be in that service, sir? I, I mean, I'm talking about God Himself. Manifested in the flesh, breathes on you. Is everybody listening? And you receive the power of the Holy Ghost straight from the source. I mean, could you imagine? Hey, I bet you they didn't need an hour-long song service to have church that morning. I mean, my God, they received the Holy Ghost from the source. I I I bet you they didn't have to work up the service that morning. God himself breathed uh, uh, the power of the Holy Ghost onto him that day. But Thomas, remember, it's important. Thomas wasn't there. Thomas missed it. Thomas wasn't a part of that. I, I'm going to tell you real quickly, I'll tell you the third thing that you're going to miss when you miss church, ladies and gentlemen, real quickly, power. You're going to miss power. Power. Jesus has given His disciples power. He's equipping them uh, for life. He's getting them ready for the ministry. He's getting them ready for the work that they, uh, that they were going to have ahead of them. And Thomas missed it. Now think about this. It's very possible that Thomas was given the same power that the disciples were given, uh, but he was given it at a later time. That's very possible. That's possible. I'm, I'm not, I, you can't disprove it. You can't prove it. It's nowhere in Scripture. I don't know. It's very possible. Let me just give you something to think about. Thomas is only mentioned twice more after this, Joanne. Once in the very next chapter of John, when he went fishing with the other disciples, and once in the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, he's mentioned by name only. That's it. Here's the point I'm trying to make. It wasn't Thomas. Who preached on the day of Pentecost and three thousand souls rallied to the church that wasn 't Thomas uh, you never read uh, about any miracles that Thomas performed in jesus name. nowhere in your bible uh, it, it wasn't Thomas who got called up to heaven and, and saw the end of days and wrote the book of Revelation. No sir, that wasn't Thomas, and if we go on just what the Bible tells us about Thomas, we don 't read that Thomas ever did anything of significance at. All. You'll not find it. You can search your Bible over and over and over and you'll never find anything that Thomas did that made the book. Nothing Thomas ever did from this point on made the book. What's the last thing we know about Thomas? He doubted God. Why did he doubt God? Because he wasn't in his place. Could it be that Thomas missed out on going to levels with God that he never imagined because he missed church and he missed out on power. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I submit to you tonight uh, that you'll never be what you could be if you don't know something about the power of God in your life. Uh, there's some things that you'll need. Is everybody listening? Don't let me lose you. Hey, hey we we got to stop treating the, uh, the Holy Ghost like that's something that the charismatics have a patent on. It's not something spooky. It's not something mysterious. If you'll pay attention, it's real simple. There's some things that you'll never do. There's some places that you'll never go. And there's some people that you're never going to win if you don't have power. If you, if you don't have the power. I mean, I'm not talking about anything mysterious. I'm talking about living a victorious, spirit-filled life. I, I, I'm talking about being surrendered. I'm talking about knowing the will of God for your life. And it's good to know the will of God, but it's better to know it and then do it. But some of us are going to be just saved enough to be miserable. Some of us are just interested enough in being saved enough to miss hell. And that's all we care about. But ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you tonight that if God's only intention in saving people's souls was to take them to heaven when they die, then why in the name of God don't He kill them when He saves them? Knowing, knowing, knowing the mess that they're going to make after they get saved god 's got more of a purpose god 's got more of an attention of uh, just uh, more of an intention than just taking people uh, to heaven when they die there 's more to this thing than just going to heaven when you die and that 's wonderful that 's a wonderful thing i 'm so glad that i don 't have to go to hell when I die, but there 's more to being a Christian than just going to heaven when you die uh, uh, there 's a way of life, Becky. That's like no other way. Hey, there's no other life like the Christian life. Somebody help me right there. I'm talking about living a victorious, Spirit-filled, Holy Ghost Christian life. I'm talking about God ordering you steps. I'm talking about being surrendered. I'm talking about being submitted to God's will for your life. Hey, and by the way, God's will isn't always the easy thing. Can I tell you something that I've learned from experience? I learned this, beardy. The easy thing, the convenient thing, is almost never the right thing. Isn't it funny how it seems like it's always the hard thing? It's it's always the most inconvenient thing. It's It's the most sacrificial thing. The thing that you have to give the most up for, that's the right thing. Isn't it funny how that works? But here's the problem. Because of that nobody's interested in God's will for their life because it's inconvenient but some of us are going to miss God some of us are going to miss power some of us are going to miss uh, going places with God that we never imagined because we just want to squeak by and settle for second best we're not interested in knowing what God's will for us is because it's inconvenient it might cause us to have to give something up it might cause us to have to do something different. Shame on us, ladies and gentlemen. We're missing God and we're missing it by the multitudes, I'm afraid. We're more interested in our will than we are God's will. I mean, let's just, let's just be honest. We're more interested in pleasure. We're more interested in preferences. And I don't know why people lie to God. Because here's what happens, and you know I'm telling the truth. Here's what happens, Joanne, you know I'm telling the truth. Something will go wrong, and they'll hit the altar, and they'll say, oh God, if you'll get me out of this mess, I'll do what? What? I'll do what? I'll do anything. But here's the problem. You better be careful. Because that word anything means just that. It means anything. And they'll come and they'll lie to God. And God will get it. Is everybody okay? And they'll lie to God and they'll say, God, and by the way, God's all knowing. He knew it was a lie when it came out your mouth, by the way. And these people, they'll lie to God. And God will get them out of their mess. And then they'll say, oh God, I'll do anything. But not that. Hello? Hello? Oh God! I'll do anything you want me to do except for that. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Why? Because it's not convenient. Now let me just let me just give you an illustration from my own life. I love children. I'm just not very good with them. I'm I'm awkward with children. I, I, just, I can't help it. I'm just awkward. I mean, uh, Ryder's age is about perfect for me because I can scream at him and he'll scream back at me. I mean, that's just, it works out well. But, I mean, you, you, get, you get them on up to Cameron and Sadie's age, I don't know what to do with them. I just, I just don't, know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to play, you know, I, don't, I just don't know how to interact. I'm awkward with children. Thank you. Bless God, that's the best amen I've had all night. You grown folks ought to be ashamed of yourself. And and, and knowing that about myself, I'm awkward with kids. It's how God works. Everybody listening? Four or five years ago, God laid it on my heart to direct the Christmas play. Now listen, I've always said that if you can make it through vacation Bible school and make it through a Christmas play, you can make it through anything. But the point I'm trying to make is God didn't ask me to do the easy thing. The easy thing for me was leading the choir, you know, playing the piano, something like that. But God put it on my heart one year to direct the Christmas play. And I made it through. I didn't have much hair to start with, so I, you know, I was all right there. I made it through with most of my, you know, good sense. But the point I'm trying to make is seldom is the easy thing the right thing. And that's why we're not interested in what God's will is. We're not interested. We're more interested in preferences and we're more, we're more interested in what we're interested in, what we want to do, and we want to invest our time into what we want to invest our time in, not God, what God would have us invest our time in. And we're missing power because of it. I mean, when we talk about a calling, I've got to hurry up. But when we talk about a calling, we realize that people are called for more than just to preach, right? You understand that God calls people to sing. I, I mean, that's a calling. I, I, I believe this. I believe God calls some people to hospitality. I, I mean, God just calls some people to be good to other people. I believe that. And there's just something about somebody that's walking in their calling. I mean, you'll never meet somebody. I mean, you'll never meet nobody like them. I mean, there's just something about somebody who's walking in their calling. Let me give you another for instance. talking about having power. There's a big difference, by the way, between them that's got it and them that don't got it. Is everybody okay? Think about preachers. I know some smart men. And they can get up, man, and they can exegete and they can isegete. Those are words they taught me in seminary, by the way. was good words, ain't they? That's them two-dollar words. And everything they say is right, Tanya. Everything they say is true. I mean, everything that they say lines up exactly with the Bible. But they really didn't say nothing to help you. But man, you could take somebody who can barely, I, I mean, can barely read and they'd murder the king's English, Joanne, and you have to look at somebody like that and they've got God's power on them and you have to say, mm, there's something different about that guy. Boy, he helped me. I mean, man, he, he could barely read his Bible and, and he butchered the king's English and he, said, and he said words that I'd never heard before like ain't and y'all and yuns, but he helped me. You know what the difference is? It's power. And there's a big difference. Power is what makes the difference. And there's a big difference between those that have it and those that don't. But here's the sad part, and I got to close. Wouldn't it be sad? Wouldn't you hate to think that you missed out on being a spirit filled Christian because you wasn't in your place? Wouldn't you hate to think that you missed your opportunity? And I believe this. I believe the Bible teaches this. If you, if you, if you read the book, uh, if you go back and read Kings, the, the, the prophet that God called before he called Elijah, he, he had an opportunity to do something great. He was supposed to go down, he was supposed to preach at Bethel, and he was supposed to go home. God told him, he said, don't eat, don't drink, go preach, go home. He had a wonderful window of opportunity. But there was an old line prophet who told him that God told him to bring him home and feed him supper. And instead of doing what God said, he went and done what the old lion prophet said. And on his way home, a lion met him in the road and killed him and ate him. And he had a window of opportunity and he missed it. I believe this. I believe every Christian has a window of opportunity to get into God's will and get power and, and get anointing and get unction. And some of us miss it. I just believe that. God gives us opportunity after opportunity. He wants to use us. He wants to give us power. And we just won't get in our place. And we miss it. And we wonder why the average church member wouldn't know the Holy Ghost if he met him in the hallway. It's sad. It's sad. We're missing it, ladies and gentlemen. And it's all because we won't get dedicated. We won't get committed. That's the word the preacher used this morning, isn't it? It's because we won't get committed. It's because we're half-hearted. It's because, And it boils down to this right here, real simple. It's because we don't care. The stakes have never been higher, ladies and gentlemen. We ought to be committed. We ought to be dedicated. Let's stand with our heads bowed. Here's the invitation. I'm done. You want an invitation? Here it is. I just want to ask you a question. What if the next time that you decided to lay out of church was the time that God decided He was going to put His power on you? What if the next time that you decided that you were going to be half-hearted and uncommitted was the very time that God wanted to do something special for you in His house? Remember, we've already said that there's going to be things that you experience here that you're never going to experience someplace else. So I just wonder... What are you going to miss when you miss church? Let me ask you this question. Are you proud of the kind of church member you are? I mean, there's nobody here but us tonight. Let's just be honest. If every member of this church was just like you, what kind of church would we have? Are you proud of the kind of church member you are? How's your track record? How's your life? Are you? Is the Lord pleased with you, ladies and gentlemen? There's going to be a whole lot of things that you're going to miss when you decide that you're going to miss church. Please don't miss it. Don't miss it. Listen, God is too good, and life is too short, and Jesus is coming is too close for us to be half-hearted, for us to be undedicated, for us to not be committed. So here's my question. I'm finished. I just this is the thought I want to leave you with tonight. What are you gonna miss when you miss church? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time together in the house of God, Lord. Help us to get dedicated again. Lord, I don't I don't know what's happened to us, but God help us to get dedicated again. Help us to put down roots, help us to get serious. Church is not a laughing matter, Lord. Lord, it's something we ought to be dedicated. We ought to be in with our whole heart. We ought to be in with both feet. God, just help us to be dedicated. In Jesus' name, amen.